1: Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas, first, negotiation and conflict resolution, second, leadership, and lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. Our Head of Sales and Partnerships, Shane Martin, is hosting this episode, and I know you are going to love it. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview.
2: Today, we're with Ethan Inkana. He is a fantastic negotiator who is constantly negotiating and working with fantastic doctors all over the country, helping them negotiate their salaries and helping them transition into new new roles. Today, specifically, we're going to be sharing five things everyone should know before they negotiate their salaries. So if you're negotiating your salary, this conversation is definitely for you. Ethan, thank you so much for coming on Negotiate Anything. It's a pleasure to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a few high points in your life, in your negotiations.
3: Yeah, Shane, thank you so much. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you for having me. I am delighted to be here and be a part of the Negotiate Anything podcast. So thank you, first and foremost, for making the time for this conversation. I'm excited to have this. I would say, just as a uh, primer on kind of my background, I'm a lawyer by training. So I went to law school at the University of Dayton in Ohio. Uh, and during my second and third year of law school, I endeavored to get my MBA. So while my classmates were all finishing law school, the bar, I was wrapping up law school and my capstone in, in business because. I I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer in the the traditional sense. I had aspirations, Shane, of being a hospital CEO. Uh, And the reason for that, I'll just share a quick story. The reason I wanted to be a hospital CEO is because my mom is a physician. And growing up, she always would tell me, Ethan, you have to get into healthcare. You will always have a job. And what she didn't appreciate I think in the moment is I didn't quite have the aptitude for the sciences that my mom has as a physician. So my career has been on the administrative side of healthcare. So I've worked in business management, HR, strategy, physician contracting, you name it. In a hospital, I have done it on the business side. And that's kind of what brings me to my work today. So maybe a little bit contra to my mom's point, you will always have a job, I got laid off about two years ago and kind of took me to a a low point professionally, didn't really know what I was going to do next, kind of had my my bubble burst, as it were, uh, professionally. And at that time, right in that moment of darkness, despair, my low point, I had this idea of why don't doctors have agents like professional athletes? And so I called my mom and we had this conversation and I said, well, who helps you negotiate your salary and how do you know what your salary should be? And the answers came up to be nobody helps us. And so now I've built a career advocating for doctors, very similar to a sports agent uh, does what they do for athletes. I advocate for doctors to get the value that they've earned in their contracts.
2: Fantastic. So essentially, you created almost your own job, your own company from <laughs> from a moment where you, maybe you felt like there wasn't a lot of hope, but you created that hope for yourself. And I think a lot of times people who are negotiating their salaries feel the same way. They don't have a lot of hope. They don't think that they're going to be able to get a raise. And I want to say, like, that's totally OK to feel that way, because I felt that way, too, before in the past. And isn't life just so interesting how in just the really difficult times or like when you feel like there isn't necessarily light at the end of the tunnel, somehow, some way um, you figure out how to make it happen. And it sounds like that's what you did. And so we're going to talk about making salary negotiations happen for our listeners today. And You have five tips that you've taught and spoke about and just helped doctors essentially negotiate their salaries. And so First, would love to hear what the five tips are, and then we'll dive deeper on the first one.
3: Yeah, great, great setup, Shane. So let me just tell you a little bit about the education that I do. So while a big part of my job is the agency for doctors and helping negotiate salaries, there's an entire other branch of my business that does purely education. And the reason that's so important is because I not only want to help resolve some of these problems for physicians, I want to educate them so that they can be successful independent of having an advocate. And so teaching them some of the very basic um, negotiation tactics, approaches that will be helpful, and also what levers to pull as they're going into a discussion um, is really, really meaningful. And so I've been fortunate to travel all over the country, Yale, Duke, uh, Vanderbilt, uh, here at University of Colorado educating physician residents and physician fellows who are physicians in training to be successful in their, what I call their rookie deal um, as a, as a first time attending physician. So the list that I often share with them is not that different from what you or I might see or experience in our, in our lives. So the first thing I tell them, and, and these are gonna sound like no brainers, but that's the point, right? The, the, these things are so basic But what happens is there's so many people who don't employ these approaches and these, I don't want to call them rules, but there may be just some tactics to help you be successful. So the first thing I often tell people is get the salary data. The salary data is extremely important because that helps anchor your expectations for what you should be uh, looking forward to from a salary and compensation perspective. So you'll need to narrow that by your industry, by your job, your level of experience, and your geographic location, because the same job, as you know, can vary dramatically on different, in different parts of the country. So first and foremost, I would say, get the salary data. That's your anchor. That's your compass. Secondly, always, always, always get more than one offer. Always. When you have more than one offer, you create leverage. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the context of how can I use that to get a better offer where I currently am? Um, That's a really important tactic, and and Shane, if you'll remind me in a little bit, I have a story of when I've used that in my own experience, um, and I can kind of talk you through how that works. The other thing that I often tell my physicians is stick to the facts. Your employers do not care about your student loan debt. They do not care about the lease on your Bentley. They do not care about your rent. The only thing the employers care about is what's in it for me. So I often tell my physicians, focus on the things that matter to your employer, not the things that matter to you when you're negotiating your salary. Number four, give a range. A range often feels like you're open to a conversation and and the reason you give a range is because you give them a little bit of wiggle room to work with, right? If you give them a discrete number, now you're locked into that number. But what if you were to give them a range and get more than you might have been expecting, right? So you open a conversation as opposed to creating a yes or no dialogue. And then number five, I would say is, and this, again, I know these are going to sound super remedial, but they're really, really foundational to negotiation. Do not negotiate against yourself. Always, always, always let your employer say a number first. What often happens, and I'll give you a really good example. I have a physician um, that I interacted with not too long ago. And for those who don't know, physicians go through residency training, which is can be anywhere from three years to seven years for, for neurosurgeons and some others. And in that time, those physicians are making about fifty dollars or $60,000, a very reasonable salary. When they get their first job, that salary jumps to 250, 300,000, 500,000, and even above that. So you can imagine the surprise when I go from 50K to 500K and and they don't negotiate. And so I always tell physicians you must, must, must not say a number first and you must let the employer say the number first. Do not negotiate against yourself. And the way that manifests itself in practical terms, a recruiter will call and say, hey, what are your salary expectations? I often tell my physicians, "Hey, let them know that you trust that the organization has people who are highly skilled in providing salary uh, salary ranges, and that they will and you trust that they will do a phenomenal job in giving you a salary that reflects your skills, aptitude, and experience."
2: Ethan, this is great. I I know who I'm calling next time I negotiate.
3: <laughs> you know, it's funny because I have friends who I talk with, and they say, "Well, do you do this for lawyers or do you do this for dentists?" And the answer is this applies, these apply across the board, right? And, and I mentioned I would tell you a story about my own experience. So when I, I worked in health, as I mentioned, I've worked in healthcare my entire career. I only know one thing, and that's hospitals and healthcare. So I had become a manager of supply chain at a local hospital here in Colorado. Loved the job. I just felt as though I had some room to grow in the compensation department, if you get my drift. And so I've never, i never gone into a boss and said, I would like a raise because that's, that's a suicide mission. That's never going to work. However, what I did do is I said, okay, if I truly believe that the market for my skills is at X and I'm currently at Y, I need to go find an offer at X. And so what I did was I started to go out and solicit offers for the next level up, which would have been a director of supply chain. I went to many interviews, applied to many jobs, and I got an offer. Now, here's the thing. You, if you were going to put a competing offer against your current employer, you have to be willing to take the competing offer. You have to. And the reason for that is if you, if you take that offer to the employer and say, hey, here's an offer. I'd love for you to take a look at my compensation. The employer says not interested and you stay? you have now eroded your leverage for the duration of your relationship with that employer. So if you're going to pull this card, it's one that you definitely have to be sure that you're gonna follow through with. So in my case, I went to my boss and I said, I love working for you, I love it here, I see a future here. I do think that there's an opportunity to align my compensation with the market. And I showed them what my market data was that I was bringing to the conversation. Initially, of course, they said, not really interested in making an adjustment. And then I said, I understand, I am going to pursue another opportunity that's paying me, you know, X percent more. And then all of a sudden, the money became available for the raise that I was requesting. And I say that not to spike the football, but I say that in the sense that there's no situation where with your current employer, they're incentivized to pay you more for doing the same job. So you have to, there's the leverage is completely uh, disparate in that particular situation. So the way you bring the the, um, the, the leverage into more parity is by bringing in an offer of, of another employer, again, a competing offer, not just a job you would never take. It has to be something you'd be willing to take. And that is what you can now use to level out the playing field as it relates to leverage.
2: This is fantastic.
1: Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show.
0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing. New currencies come and go. Decades of savings lost in days. All showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of.
2: your employer, if you wanna raise, isn't going to create leverage for you. You have to decide to go do it. And so I love that approach. You have to proactively take steps to do it. And so I wanna just quickly recap the five tips that you gave because there is so much gold there. And so first you're saying to do your research, you're offering folks to get more than one offer. You're saying stick to the facts, give a range, And of course, don't negotiate against yourself, which we have to dive deeper into because that's so, so interesting. And you shared an example about that. So we'll definitely get to that. So back to doing your research, you talked about getting salary data, uh, anchoring with expectations, but doing it strategically. So what happens if you collect the data in your region of what people are being paid and for your role, you show it to your director or to the person who would decide if you get a raise or not, and they say no, what should someone do? Yeah, great question.
3: So here's the thing. If, if you want to stay, then by all means, I think there's a very reasonable way for you to say, I understand, and you're going to continue on on those exact terms. But what I often tell my clients is sometimes you have to go to grow. And what that means is, if you're going to approach your current employer with a request for a salary increase or something like that, you always need to have something, a bird in the bush as it were. And in this case, that typically means a job offer or a job prospect. And the reason I say that is because if you, so let's just in practical terms, if I walk into my boss's office and I say, hey, I think I'm worth 20% more my boss says I disagree. Now we're fundamentally opposed in our view of my value, aren't we? So if, if now I know that they don't see the same value in me that I see, so I can sit in my chair and complain about it or I can proactively make a decision. And that's why I was saying, Shane, get an offer first. Go Go, like you said, get the salary data, start putting some resumes out, Interact with your network about what opportunities they might know about, but get an offer first, because if you go in and ask your employer for a raise without any um, counterbalancing quid pro quo, then there's, I guarantee you, the conversation is going to go very poorly and it's going to go very quickly, frankly.
2: Right. And for those who might not know what quit, uh, quit pro-ro means, can you explain that? Oh,
3: yes. Quit pro quo means this for that. So in this particular case, what I mean is when you go into an employer and you say, hey, I would like a raise. So they're going to give you something. But what are you going to give them? You're not going to do any more work. You're not going to take on any more responsibility. So in this particular situation, you might say something like, well, my leverage in this particular instance is this other opportunity and you're going to have to replace me at a certain cost, having to train someone up. You're going to have to, there's going to be this replacement cost for me, or you could just pay an increment and we're both happy. Pay me a modest increase. You probably don't have to pay me the whole 20% I asked for. I'll probably be happy with 10. Pay me a modest increase. You're happy because you didn't pay 20. I'm happy because I got 10.
2: Absolutely. So (laughs) I'm, I'm loving this. I'm just soaking this all in. So you're basically saying, Uh, maybe consider asking for more than what you are actually wanting. That way, the midpoint might actually be the offer that you ultimately want. And I love the approach of creating options for yourself and essentially creating leverage, because when you have options in negotiations, you typically have more power or more freedom, which can also lead to more confidence when you're having maybe the difficult conversation that a lot of people sometimes dread when it comes to their annual review in regards to compensation. And so with more options, although it takes work, I really encourage people to do what Ethan's doing or what he's suggesting today because you'll just feel so much better going into the to the negotiation with your current employer if you wanna stay and if you wanna ask for a raise. And so that actually brings us perfectly into number three because we're talking about setting the frame in a way of sticking to the facts and also making it a win for the employer. So what does that specifically sound like in a negotiation in regards to framing it as a win for the employer?
3: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that Shane. I think I also want to add the nuance to say don't, don't make it about you, right? Don't make it about you. When you go in to pitch for a higher salary or even when you go into a new job interview, you know, I've, I was a hiring manager for 10 years and I saw people come in and say, oh, my, my rent went up or my student loans are just so high. That's not relevant to a hiring manager, we all have those, we all have those issues, right? What, What does matter to me is, are you going to make the business more money? Are you going to save the business cost? And are you going to help us grow in a way that maybe we couldn't without you? And so when you talk about why you want to raise, or especially if you're talking about your current employer, as opposed to going to a new job opportunity, you're talking about why you want to raise, always couch it in terms of hey here's some additional responsibilities i can i can take on or if it's something where you can look historically and i've done this in the past as well where you say i started this job on let's just say january 1 of 2018 and here are the milestones that i've accomplished for the organization over the past 3 years i've i've made the organization x number of dollars which is 80% of my salary, I've saved the organization money, uh, all of the things that you can show your empl- your employee satisfaction has increased since you've been in leadership, all of those things that you can show value, if I were to like say it in very blunt terms, make your boss look good. How can you make your boss look good in terms that demonstrate articulable value? Revenue, expenses, growth and strategy, employee satisfaction are typically some of the buckets that, that get employers revved up.
2: Definitely. Or even taking, taking the maybe difficult parts of your boss's job or the things that they find annoying off of their plate yes. solving their problems could be really powerful too. But I, I love the approach of, it sounded like you were saying to bring maybe a list of the accomplishments or things that you're proud of that have contributed to the overall success of the organization, not just yourself, but what has made the company look good. And you're setting that as your frame. Hey, Ethan, uh, I'm so excited to talk to you about my negotiation or (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you about, um, my role and the future opportunities I could bring to the company. Here's a list of things that I've already accomplished. And here are a list of things that I hope that I can do to contribute in an even more meaningful way. Like starting the conversation like that is massive. And you know what? You haven't even mentioned, I want more money, nor have you said that, nor have you even suggested it. You're saying, hey, I'm here with the facts. And I think that that's what you're saying, right? You're, you're spot on. And one
3: of, the, one of the other applications to that idea, uh, and this is a freebie, is when you're applying for a job. So when I apply for a job, every single time, and this is, uh, my girlfriend will, will attest to this, I always, always, always reach out to a person within the organization. It makes my, job, makes my job search a lot slower, but it is so much more effective. And what I do, Shane, is exactly what you just said. I say, hey, I saw your job, your job posting. It looks as though you're looking for ABC. I can do ABC as demonstrated by when I did this this and this and that in and of itself is is persuasion right it's you saying it looks like this is what you need I I have a proven track record of having done that as demonstrated through these examples uh, so you're you're spot on and, and and really the the whole point of that Shane is you don't want to have nothing to, to show value if you're if you're asking for a raise with no, just because you feel like you feel like it's the right time or you haven't gotten one in a while, it's going to fall on deaf ears, right? Because there's no there's no consideration for that raise. But if you can come in and say, here's the value I've demonstrated, here's the value I am willing to demonstrate with additional compensation, um, now you're having a conversation that has both sides benefiting and, and it usually goes a little bit better.
2: It, it really does. And I think that one of the challenges to that might be specifically in healthcare but also across all industries right now is within the last year couple years with COVID happening and a lot of budget cuts happening people haven't gotten raises so now we're coming up on two years and it's time for people's performance reviews and this would be the time to ask for a raise but then the employer says hey sorry we still aren't doing raises because of COVID what do you say to that as someone who's trying to get a raise?
3: Yeah, that that's a classic go-to-grow situation. And if I can just amplify the point that you just laid out, I had a doctor call me um, about nine months ago, and he said to me, and, and look, I, I am completely sensitive to the fact that doctors are in the 1% of earners, right? That we don't have sympathy when we think about doctors you know, doctors make 300, 400, 500,000. We don't necessarily have sympathy for the money problems of doctors. Uh, and so part of the work that I try to do is to normalize doctors experience in negotiation, because frankly, I've had doctors tell me, Ethan, I feel disposable. I feel, I felt dismissed. Those are the same feelings I felt in some of those discussions. And Shane, maybe you have at some point in, in, in your career as well. So I I try to demonstrate that while doctors are high earners, uh, there's a huge amount of education loan debt, time investment that comes with that. uh, And they have very similar challenges that you and I have, albeit at a different price point. And the story I want to share with you is this doctor called me about nine months ago, and this doctor is a particularly high earner. And he told me, he said, Ethan, for about three months, I made $0.00. I had a really nice salary before and I'm sure I have a really nice salary again, but for three months I made $0 because my contract at the time, it was 100% based on how busy he is. So what that means is if he's really busy, he's making a lot of money and he can kind of control his schedule and when he works and when he travels and he was doing speaking engagements, which is phenomenal. What happens is it doesn't contemplate for the situation where, elective procedures are shut down in an OR and the doctor cannot perform procedures, which is his primary source of revenue. So you and I, just like many people throughout the pandemic, basically couldn't go to our job and earn an income. And I don't care what level of income you make, if you go from what you made to zero, that's miserable. And that's a huge, it's a jarring life experience. And so I often tell people first and foremost for my doctors, You must build in a floor that contemplates when everything goes bad, when you can't practice medicine, when the world turns upside down, you have a base guarantee in your contract. And this typically is for professionals who are paid uh, at a little bit higher rate than I'm accustomed to, uh, but having a base salary or base income is a good way to protect yourself in those situations. However, going back to your COVID situation, that's a situation where you kind of need to either say, I'm gonna press pause on my, my raise expectations or go to grow, right? You could probably go and get a better salary somewhere else uh, as, a, as an outside hire because they don't, you know, your current employer, it's always harder because you have baggage, you have a relationship. They know you, you know them, everyone knows the flaws. And so that does make it sometimes a little bit challenging uh, to move the needle on your compensation in your, with your current employer. But once you once you kind of go out to the market, uh, they don't know the baggage. They don't know necessarily that time you screwed up that one report on a Tuesday in front of the big boss. And so things like that, you're able to um, mitigate some of that and typically go for a, a higher salary than you might internally.
2: Oh, mistakes in front of the big boss. None of us have ever done that. Never happened to me. Never happened to me. <laughs> That happens to me about every other week, um, so <laughs> I, I I love it. I, I think that um, the the biggest takeaway is if you want a salary raise and someone and and someone is basically saying no because of COVID, then this is what you can say. I totally understand. I know it has been a year full of ups and downs. Would you be open to exploring? other ideas of how I could make up for maybe that lost opportunity in a raise this year. And if you've demonstrated that you've done your research, you have a good relationship and a good foundation, I would say more often than not, they're going to be open to at least a conversation about pulling potentially other levers to make up for their answer of, sorry, no raise this year for the second time in a row. And what that could specifically mean in that conversation that you have is you can create a list of different things maybe that you want. Maybe you want more paid time off. Uh, Maybe you want to work in a different region within the company that has more opportunity to get more hours. There are so many different things uh, that you can ask. But the, the difficult thing is, and I think the reason why this podcast exists is because sometimes we don't ask. And so this is your sign to ask. Ethan talking today is your sign to go pull different levers and see what's possible because there's no way to know unless you ask. And so we've gotten through three of the five tips and we're gonna wrap up with the fourth and fifth. And so we've talked about doing research getting more than one offer and creating leverage for yourself, which I love. And then also sticking to the facts and framing as a win. So let's talk about giving a range and not negotiating ourselves. I think we can talk about these two, an hour each alone, but we'll be, <laughs> we, we'll be brief. So you said giving a range as your fourth tip because it opens up a conversation. Uh, tell us more about what that specifically means for someone negotiating in a context of what we were just describing with COVID.
3: Yeah, great question. And, and Shane, I don't want to let this moment pass without amplifying what you just said. Starting that conversation, and compensation can mean so many different things, right? I often tell my doctors that there's base salary and income and that's great. And some doctors want to make the most money, but my doctors are much more diverse than that. And some of them prefer personal time or access to research and clinical trials what you just there's so much gold in what you just said around having a conversation right or if maybe right now is not the right time don't walk out with your tail between your legs say okay what are the what are the other valuable components of work that maybe you would consider adjusting in lieu of of compensation so much gold in what you just said the last thing i want to point out what you just said and then i promise i'll get to your question is you use the word conversation And I really want to highlight that for anybody who's listening today. Take out the word, for my doctors, I often say, take out the word negotiation and replace it with discussion. We're going to have a contract discussion. I'd love to have a discussion about the terms of my contract. It takes away some of that bite. And I often tell my physicians, this is my disposition all the time. I'm not the type to come in and yell and stomp, stomp around. I don't have to do that because my doctors have options. And so when people have, when they have those really contentious, angry, emotional negotiations, typically it comes because you're at an impasse and someone's feeling less than. And so part of the value of having an additional option is that you don't have to necessarily feel like Either I get this or I get nothing, right? And so, anyways, sub discussion for negotiation for my doctors, um, understanding that it truly is. Again, this is A I, right? It truly is negotiation. Um, but I think sometimes for people who are less comfortable, um, and, and doctors, they're scientists. They're trained in the science of medicine and healing people. Their skill set, uh, they were not trained to be business folks, negotiators. And so they shouldn't be penalized in terms of lower salary for that, for that reason and disposition. So sorry, Sean, I, I, Shane, I wanted to just pause there. You said so many meaningful things that I wanted to really amplify there for a moment. Um, but jumping into giving a range, you, you said this earlier as well. So I'm just gonna repeat what you said. You give a range because a range allows for a conversation. And you also said, which is true, the range should be above your floor. So, just let's just put real numbers on it. If I, if I were applying for a job and my absolute minimum floor was $20 an hour, I, in a very practical sense, I would encourage my client or myself in that particular instance to ask for a range between 22 and about 24, give or take, right? If I got 24, amazing, but probably not super likely. And again, you have to make sure that 21 to 24 range is couched in the context of the data, right? Your skill set, your job title, the industry, and your geographic region, right? So when you go in for that conversation, really the, the thing that you want to focus on is making sure that you're having a conversation about the value that you bring to the organization you give them a range and say hey i would love to have a conversation i think based on the data that i'm seeing a range between 21 to 24 seems reasonable and then they come back and they say oh we can't do 24 where we could do 22 that's that's about 10% better than your floor so you're already you're already ahead
2: i love it and i think people when they do that might be surprised with the results and you said something else again i'm going to just
3: Digging all the gold that you, that you just said is, if you don't ask, you won't get it. And one of the things that I, going back to my supply chain job, one of the things that I learned from that experience and my boss who I cared about deeply and, and still a close friend, she said to me, Ethan, you must advocate for yourself. And I have played that over in my head thousands and thousands of times over the years. Because if I don't advocate for myself, Shane, who's going to? If you don't speak up and say, hey, I think I deserve a couple bucks more, do you think they're going to come to you and say, hey, you know what? You've been so amazing, we're going to pay you more. That might happen in a rare instance where somebody's been chronically overpaid. But, but I'll tell you where that generally doesn't happen. To so the 80% of us who think we're doing a really good job and are climbing the ladder and, and doing things the right way, those are the people that typically don't get recognized for raises and things like that because you're not a squeaky wheel. There is a very real, uh, real reason that people say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You must speak up and ask for ask for what you want and for what you expect.
2: Definitely. So you're you're advocating for yourself. You're believing in yourself because who else will, right? And I, I love how a simple but also impactful and massive that could be for someone. And so we've talked about uh, opening up the conversation with a range. We talked about uh, replacing negotiation with discussion, (laughs) which I just like could not agree more with that's so true and such a good reminder. And also one thing to build upon what you just said, which was fantastic is like in your mind when you call it a discussion, I think subconsciously, or just it just takes the it takes the pressure off. Um, yes. In the nervousness, right. you're, you're not you're not putting in the calendar invite with your boss, negotiating salary. <laughs> no, no, like I don't recommend that. Yeah, <laughs> you're spot on. Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, yeah, you're you're having a discussion, and you know what? If you've done the steps that you've talked about today, where you have more than one offer, for example. You're going to go into that conversation feeling good, feeling at peace. And ultimately, our brains perform at a higher level in negotiations when we're in that positive mental or peaceful mental mindset where we've taken care of ourselves, like slept six to eight hours the night before, or 10, depending on how many hours you feel. Yeah, um, yeah. That sounds great right now, 10 hours of sleep. But um, I I just love the tips that you gave today as far as researching, uh, collecting offers, sticking to the facts, giving ranges. And then we'll wrap up with talking about not negotiating against ourselves. And I think this is aligned briefly somehow with what you're talking about with belief. So you say, don't negotiate with yourself. Like let's dig deeper into that briefly and like what does that mean for someone negotiating their salary? Yeah,
3: I, I in very direct terms, it mostly means sh- shut up, just stop, stop talking, stop talking. So, what I mean by that is, how many times, and in my own experience, how many times have I walked into a room or a, a conversation about my contract or my employment and said? well, Ethan, we can't do X, but would you be okay with with this? Well, okay, shucks, I guess. Or or, here's the one where I got caught one time. One time I had the, the senior vice president in the organization called me and said, hey, he caught me off guard, called me in the evening and said, hey, if you took on these additional responsibilities, what number would you need? And I just said a number. Shane, I just said a number. I didn't follow my own advice. I should have just. I should have said, hey, let me think about it, and I'll give you a shout tomorrow. I didn't take my own advice, and I just said a number. And you know what? When I got the job offer, that was the number, right? I negotiated against myself. If I would have said 10K more, 20K more, would I have gotten it? Perhaps but I said a number because he caught me off guard. That was a boneheaded move on my part. So learn from my mistakes, don't say a number first. Always, 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 I'm gonna calm down, always let your employer say a number first. And, and the reason I say that is because you're gonna get a call, Shane this probably happened to you a bunch of times, it's happened to me a ton, a recruiter will call you and what they're calling you for is trying to screen you. Are you, are you an insane person? Are you within the salary range that they're looking for? Are you who you say you are, or at least were purported yourself to be on your resume? And the, that second question I mentioned, which is, is your salary within the range? The reason they're asking you that is to find out if, if, you're, if, if you're in the interview process, get all the way to the end, are you going to accept a job offer if it comes your way? And so that's kind of their way to get your, take your temperature as far as what you're looking for. But what they don't tell you though is that now becomes the guiding principle for your salary discussion so that first number that you said trust me as a hiring manager that's what i did if you got on a call with a recruiter she told me what you said so i know what number you told the recruiter which means i know what number i'm going to offer you so just keep your mouth shut trust that organizations have people that are highly skilled in assessing value of employees and, and salaries and just stop talking. Now, it will get to a point in, in practical terms where you may just have to say a number. And that's where we jump back to number four, right? You give a range, you build in some cushion above your floor, and then you give them a range, right? If you absolutely are back into a corner of having to give you know a number, that's what you do.
2: This is this is so so good. I, I love the approach. <laughs> First, I love the passion um, because I can tell I can tell um, that this has happened to you, and I think that you're able to just so confidently and passionately share with us today because you went through it yourself. And what no. better way? to speak on something than to have been through the experience. And so I love the approach of speaking less and listening more. I think that's really powerful. And also when you speak less and listen more, that means that when you speak, your words can be perceived as more powerful. So it's because since Ethan isn't saying as much in this negotiation, I know that I'm gonna listen very intently to when he does speak. And I think that that's just so good. I think that that's such a great approach, but often it's difficult because we kind of want to go in circles or we want to make sure that we feel heard. So we, we talk too much nice. we speak too much. And so nice. um, that, that totally makes sense. And I would also say I, I, I love that. I, I don't love that this happened to you, but I love that you can tell us that it happened to you, because if you, <laughs> had a, if you could have asked if, if someone, they say, what do you need? What's what, how much do you need? Thank you so much for for asking, Ethan. May I have forty eight hours to yes. think it over, speak with family, just make sure that we're aligned before making a decision. Since um, this isn't just me that it's affecting, it's affecting my girlfriend, it's affecting whoever whoever you're with, right? Um, and, and so I think that that's really powerful too. And it's okay to say no. You you don't have to agree uh, to what they're offering. You you can say no in, in a polite way by just either delaying it or um, revisiting it at a different time. And I think that for some people, um, a quick tip when recruiters are reaching out is even if you're not interested at all from switching your role, that doesn't mean that when a recruiter reaches out, you can't ask for what they're offering in compensation. It's always good to benchmark what role in your region what it's being paid i think that's really powerful because what if you're having a comp or a comp review or or a proposal review uh, of your job a role review within a couple months you know the range and you can bring that up too so i mean there's just so much good in what you said and uh i think that we could talk so much longer we could, you could. All we of could. This, but i just i love your tips today um i i just can't thank you enough for just the energy and the passion that that you brought to the topic. And I also want to give space uh, to you to just encourage listeners or just share anything else uh, that maybe you had on your mind or on your heart to share before we wrap up.
3: I would just double down on, on what we've talked about throughout the course of this discussion, Shane, which is advocate for yourself. There's nobody who's going to say, Shane deserves more, Ethan deserves more, except for you and the person who will know the reasons why you're deserving of more is you. And so any person who's out there, and I can tell you, I my friends call me all the time. I call my friends all the time about frustrations, feeling undervalued, unappreciated. That happens all the time. And part of the reason is because we just, we don't have the confidence that we're being valued in the way that we feel like we deserve, which is not always financial. Totally appreciate that. So I just want to say, know your worth and advocate for your worth. You have to speak up. Uh, and, and I often say, I told one of my doctors this yesterday. I don't know whose idea this is. I co-opted it, so I'm totally stealing it. I'm sure we could Google it and find out who it is. But it's this idea of 30 seconds of courage. You just need to have 30 seconds of courage to say, this is what I expect, this is what I want, and this is, these are the reasons why, what do you think? You just need 30 seconds of courage. Um, and I know it's uncomfortable, and I I have to coach myself on that as well. Um, I get into uncomfortable situations all the time, but I know there's a greater good of advocating for my doctors. So that 30 seconds of courage for me means, you know, value for my doctors, and it could mean value for yourself as well.
2: Absolutely. Advocate for yourself, and um, just hearing everything that you said today makes me want to go ask for a raise right after this. After this. Go get (laughs) them. 30 seconds of courage. That's that's all it takes, just one step. And so I love that that's how you that's how you wrapped up today. And for anyone who might be negotiating a salary, maybe not necessarily in the healthcare field, but maybe they know someone who is or they're negotiating their salary and their role. Uh, how should we connect with you? How should we support you and follow you? Yeah,
3: I say first and foremost, my social media. Um it's it's on Instagram, it's at physician agency all one word um, that's where I get to brag about my amazing physicians that I get to serve um, who I'm just so so honored to be able to have the opportunity to serve every day um, you know I'm on LinkedIn you can just search my name but that's you know that's not not as nearly as active as our social media and then lastly if you want to just check out the website uh, it's www.rmPA.co. That's the Rocky Mountain Physician Agency website, which is my my organization.
2: All right. Well, fantastic, Ethan. RMPA.co and at physician agency on Instagram. It was a delight to have you on the show. We're so grateful and we encourage everyone, go advocate for yourself and get your salary raised. Have an amazing week, everyone.